welcome to this very special episode of the Let Your Life Be Your Sermon podcast. We're doing a series called Conversations in My Garden, where I'm having some great talks with people who uh, currently are influencing me and uh, saying some things and doing some things that really inspire me to be who I believe I was created and born to be. And one of those people is my guest today, uh, Nelva Marquez Green, who is uh, joining us. You're in Connecticut? Yes, I am. Connecticut, joining us today as a, a part of this special podcast just to talk about uh, our garden more. In the first episode of this series, I talked about the importance of tending our garden and um, knowing who's in our garden, who's watering, who's bringing life. And, and in this episode, we want to talk about that as it relates to when grief and trauma comes, what needs to happen in our gardens, and how do we find out and discover in those moments uh, what needs to change, and also uh, what's given us life and will continue to sustain us going forward. So Nelva, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you. Thank you. It's my, my friend. I'll tell a quick story. I think we, we met when the King Center was doing an event and a friend of mine, I said, I, I, I need uh, a youth to talk about an issue. And they recommended your son, your wonderful young man, Isaiah, who uh, I met and he's just outstanding. So um, that's how we became connected and then connected again, I think on social media and in some other training sessions. So. Correct. I was uh, fortunate enough to take the King Center um, nonviolent uh, 365 training. And uh, I remember your class. I remember stopping just at the tone of your voice, the presentation of the content, and just the feeling that was being um, had in the moment by all of us who were learning and sharing. And I would recommend um, those and any other trainings by, by, by you, you know, by the King Center to really to anyone who wants to grow and learn and share and find beloved community as you call it. So, yeah. Well, I really believe that the topic of, well, the, the title of my podcast re- resonates with me. For almost 10 years, Let Your Life Be Your Sermon has been my tag. I put it on tweets, I believe if we focused more on being a message instead of speaking one, we would find that we're turning the world right side up. And so in the interest of that, I wanted to have this series that allows people to get some insight into what I learned from people. And one of the things I've learned from you looking at your life and this last year especially is the the power of process and how to be for people and to still love and still care without trying to hide the things that you're experiencing. So I wanted to just start by talking about transparency. You're one of the most transparent people I've ever encountered in, in terms, even on social media. So how how is transparency important to us in our gardens? You know, I have to say, going back to, you know, what happened to our family, we didn't get much of a choice. We, we didn't get options on how our tragedy was presented. We didn't get options on how um, 
our family changed overnight or even our privacy. We didn't, we were not allowed privacy. And I remember early, it was early. It was like the first week turning to my husband and saying, this is so unfair. This is so unfair. And also if Anna had died in any other neighborhood, people would not be caring in this way. And I remember he looked at me and I'm telling you, this was the first week after our daughter was murdered. And he said something like, it may not be fair, but it is what we have. So we have to use this to the best of our ability for as much good for as many people as possible. And those were prophetic words. Um, Absolutely. Prophetic, and prophetic positioning and intentional positioning. So I, I thank my husband for that. And it really did frame um, how we viewed what our position was. And our position was that we were a family who loved and trusted God with all of our hearts and taught our children to and tithe and were church attending. And still somehow like Job, this grief, this, this tragedy found us and what our pastor prayed at that time was that somehow we would find the faith to still say, I know that my believer, um, I know that my redeemer lives. And um, that's also what we have tried to do. And that tension of holding the trauma and holding the tragedy and holding on to our faith and our hope and our, um, our lens of justice and compassion that that's what you see you you call that transparency and we just call it living because that's what we have yeah. to do every day yeah but you're, you're living in such a wonderfully profound outward way that i believe is helping people it even for me when i've seen some of your tweets it made me realize how i hadn't processed you know my grandmother's death my grandmother was almost 90 but she was a very crucial part of my life and even now i'll just sometimes i'll think about it and just start weeping and crying and be okay with that that it's a moment where i'm acknowledging that while and this is something people say all the time that as clergy i have to encourage people not to tell folks they're in a better place i said that really doesn't help people when they're dealing with not having their loved one <laughs> with them and that grief and really understanding how we process it has helped me in my garden as a minister and as clergy and as a pastor know better how to talk to people and just how to be with people. That sometimes in your garden, you just need people to sit with you or to say, I'm here, you know, if you need me and you, you most often we do need people, I'm here. But I think transparency is a great part of your garden. That just seems wow. She's really just opening up about that. What is this time, if you think about it in terms of a garden, what is this time? Um, and I want to use your language because I think that's important. I, I tell people all the time that sometimes they'll say Dr. King died and I'll say, no, he was assassinated. That distinguishing factor is clear. I want to, your language is your daughter was murdered and she was. Since her murder, how has... Um, your garden changed Do you, when you think about what shifted for you you know i think i think in the beginning in the very beginning um and it often happens this is important for people to know 
if we are called to offer comfort, if we are called to offer comfort, one thing we need to understand is the various role, prescriptive roles given to survivors of tragedy, whether that is you lost a, a grandma or you have mm -hmm. a sur survivors of, of grief, people who experience loss, which will, if you live long enough, include everyone. So, you know, in the beginning, we had very prescriptive roles. So my garden consisted of other roles that people, other plants and other uh, decor and other accessories and other tools that other people gave to us, right? We were supposed to be the, and not that forgiveness isn't important, but you know, those families who came out and forgave first, you know, the shooter were given a certain spot and those families who went into activism first were given a certain mm. spot. So my garden, our garden as a family consisted of things people put in it that then we were left to deal with. And I mm. find that the best way or an alternative that was more useful for us, I won't say the best way because that's different for everyone, is when we were allowed the space to pick our own plants to prune in our own time, to choose our own garden tools. You know, does that pair of shears fit my hand or do I need a pair that is larger or smaller? Do I want gloves or do I not want gloves? Do I like that soil? Do I not like that soil? That was much more useful than having people tell me what I needed in my garden. And that was a big part of the beginning. And we do that sometimes when we intend to offer comfort to people who are experiencing grief or loss. It's the imposition. It sounds like the imposition or I have a, a, I used to be in a program here in Atlanta and one of the leaders would talk about this presumption of take careness. Like we, we impose on people ways that we think we should care for them and ways that they should be um, no matter what situation they're in, whether that's poverty or grief or anything Right. tragic we believe we want to put on them what we think should happen which maybe adds to the burden a person may be feeling it's it limits your own sense of resourcefulness right because in the beginning i'll tell you what was in our garden i was in our garden was you know um well you you know what you need to do y'all just need to have another baby right so that was in Ooh. our garden or, you know, you know what you need to do. You just need to move back to Canada or, you know, what y'all need to do. You need to. So what it does is our I believe those intentions were pure. However, what it does is it limits the resourcefulness. What we really need to be doing or what I would recommend is that we resource people so that they can come to their own place of deciding what's in their garden. When we resource people and they could decide for themselves, it's a process of empowerment. It's a process of love. It's a process of, of so many good things for the spirit, for the mind, for the body, when we give people enough tools. So that's one of the things you'll see that I tweet about a lot too, that people need to have enough tools to decide for themselves. That's the real win. Winning isn't when we are prescriptive in our comfort or prescriptive in our care. Um, so, yeah. yeah. It makes us think about it though. So I think often because we've experienced things, we think people should experience them the same way. And I was at a funeral before for uh, the mother of a dear friend and her brother was crying 
and my friend's brother was crying and some lady said um stop that now you're gonna make yourself upset and i remember saying to her his mama died like and to shake her up to say hey <laughs> that's his his mother somebody he loved was beloved by him and what's what's the value of just sitting with people sometimes and being it's scary it's scary and that's why we're not good at it um i remember that in the early garden as well um the messages that were coming in reminding me that it was not okay to cry that if i cried you know my my daughter was murdered brutally six years old in the bathroom of an elementary school but i knew that if i broke down everybody else would come with me so i had to show a certain strength that I didn't necessarily have that was really um, burying my grief underground, hurting me, right? Hurting me in so many ways. But if I went down, I knew I would take down everybody with me. So my early, you know, garden consisted of a lot of um, feelings that had to be buried in that soil so that other people would be okay. And I like this garden today. I like this eight-year garden that allows for our growth and our development and our voice and and to and and as that grows, our connections grow with other people, like meeting you and, and meeting people that can help you and say, oh, I mean, I've learned language from you, right? I've learned to shift from saying um, during slavery to enslaved people just that shift for me blew my mind it blew my mind i was able to learn i am able to hear from you because i'm tending my garden differently so i have space for that now wow wow language is important just yesterday i was doing a tweet about poverty and i thought i don't want to describe people as poor people I just struggled with typing. I said, I think I want to say they're grappling with poverty. Because when you start to say they're poor people, that's like saying somebody's black. I said, that's like a, a distinguishing factor in their character versus poverty is something you can come out of, uh, not they're poor people. And th that language is important to me. Not to label people as something. When we talk about our children, we call them at risk. I think that's dangerous mm -hmm. to refer to children that way, just children. Because if you look at the world today, then we should say we're all at risk. But when we often hear at risk, it's applying to children who look a certain way or who live in certain communities. And it's not um, gracious or with the intent of necessarily shifting what's happening in the lives of those children and the systems that make the, their lives at risk. Like what's causing that? So I do. I think language is important. I, I, this language of garden helps me and the way you're describing it is very powerful what the garden looks like now my garden has changed if you had to share just one thing you know as we answered i found with these podcasts now that 15 to 20 minutes is all people have uh, we're so busy going about doing different things even in the midst of this pandemic that uh it's not our capacity it's the time we think we can lend to something we actually have a great capacity to study to learn uh, to challenge ourselves, but it has to be quick these days. What, do you, what would you leave for people um, just to share with them of how to 
how to center ourselves to be fully present for other people. How can we be more present for people who are uh, dealing with trauma and grief? That is a really good question. And this works for those folks looking to support grievers and also for those folks who have experienced loss, both. And that is to prepare and be ready before. So often our ability to withstand and sustain a traumatic event is actually less dependent on the resources we face after and more dependent on the foundation that was built before. I can honestly tell you, you know, I'm never gonna proclaim victory. Every day is a blessing and mercy. But because we had already had a grounding in a faith, right? And for other people that might be a grounding in other things, might be grounding in community or might be grounding in, in, in something else that is meaningful for them. Because we had a grounding when our tragedy happened, it rocked us, but we didn't fall out of the, of, out of the realm of, of, of growth, of possibility, of hope. And when we did falter, we had each other and we had community. So how do we help people? We make sure people are well-resourced. How, how are we individually helping people? I, I think that requires a lot of reflection, a lot of self-examination. Why um, we feel like the only way to help people who have experienced loss is right there that first week? I don't know, but it's really not, right? You make sure you're there as a helper that first year, that year five, you write down when when mom passed away. So you make sure you send a card year four when nobody else is around. We really need to figure out what kind of helper we are. Are we an emergency responder, a, a, a person who was, who was there in the moment, perhaps planning a funeral? Or are we long-term support? Because usually people don't have the capacity for both, but they do have the capacity for one. And grievers and those people who experience loss need both so you're actually on the team that came later and i needed you just as much as i needed people to help plan the funeral and and that's the the thing i want people to understand that you still have value you still have things to teach and learn who would have thought eight years ago when you saw this going on on tv that you would actually have the opportunity to minister to and with one of those moms who lost a child. But this right. this unique connection is so important. So it doesn't always have to happen there. It can happen 8, 10, 15 years down the road when that person is still grieving. Wow. Thank you so much. That's powerful. Thank you for being with us today, Nelba. Listen, I want to encourage you to really pay attention to what Nelba shared in this podcast episode. I believe that we can set an atmosphere that when we show up for people, we bring a presence that rejuvenates, but more than anything, just loves people um, and uh, is willing to sit with people and say, I'm here. And when love says I'm here, that's a powerful transformative thing. So thank you for joining us for this Let Your Life Be Your Sermon, very special episode of the series Conversations in My Garden. Please share this episode with other people and tune in for with us for the next episode as well. Thank you.